Welcome to I Am, I Have. I'm Lucy Donoghue and this podcast is brought to you by Happiful Magazine and Counselling Directory. Now we all have mental health and some of us will experience or live with mental illness, but that doesn't define who we are. Through I Am, I Have, we'll meet with some wonderful people who have spoken out about mental health and illness and find out more about who they are and the passions that shape their lives, as well as their reflections on their own mental health. Share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag I Am, I Have, and please rate, review and share if you like what you hear. I am delighted to welcome Munro Bergdorf on I Am, I Have. Thank you for joining us, Munro. Hi. And on I Am, I Have, it's all about who we really are. So I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, if you don't mind. Hi, I'm Munro Bergdorf. I am a activist and I model. I do various things in the media, really, but um, largely using my platform to speak about issues of racial equality, gender equality and progression. Of society. (laughs) Fantastic. And you have given us three I am's and we're going to go straight in with your very first I am, which is I am invested in my own wellness. Can you tell us more about that? So I'm invested in my own wellness because I believe that wellness isn't a given in today's society. I feel that there's so much that we absorb without even realising that we're doing it, whether that's advertising or with men, toxic masculinity, with women, um, internalised misogyny. And then if you take that on an intersectional tip, then if you're, say, like a a trans woman, then you can have internalised transphobia. And I'm queer also, so internalised homophobia or queerphobia. So it's just being really aware of everything that you're impacted by and being able to put language to that and I think that's the strongest thing that you can do is recognizing when something isn't right and being able to have the language to describe how you feel and um, what it is because I mean growing up I didn't have that language and I just felt that it was really difficult to pinpoint how I felt and also because I couldn't describe it I felt that I was the only one going through it so I am invested in my own wellness is my way of saying I am aware of my struggles and I am invested in not allowing them to take control of my life. And how do you practice that on a a daily basis with you were just talking about everything that's bombarding us, you know, the advertising. We were talking about social media before we started the Mm. podcast. All of these messages, sometimes from the minute we wake up, that are permeating our life. How do you practice that wellness and invest in that wellness on a daily basis? I think it's really about curating your life. And there's so much negativity out there. And... Even down to social media, it's about making sure that you're not following any accounts that make you feel bad, any people that make you feel less than, making sure that you're inspired on the daily, because there's so much out there that's amazing as well, and it's very easy to get bogged down in the negative. I mean, even looking at what's happening at the moment in the news, it's oh yeah, <laughs> it's such a mess out there. So I think just making sure that you are evening the scales by following positive things and not just allowing the negative to 
be absorbed into your psyche because the negative is only really what we focus on as a society. The good news is not reported. Absolutely. I think there's definitely a negativity bias and I'm not, I don't know enough about global news to make a statement, but Mm. I would say in the UK we are very much about the negative. We're Um, so about the negative. I actually spent time in Canada over Christmas and the amount of positive news that they have on the news, on the television, is amazing. There's like even little stories about like kind of regional stories. It's just, it's really nice. And we don't see enough of that. And I think that that really is a culture thing that needs to shift because you absorb it. It becomes a reflex. Yeah. And and it must feed into the kind of national psyche as well. In terms of the positive, can you talk us through some of those kind of positive role options or, or, or some of the positivity that you make sure you ingest on a daily basis? I'm really keen on following accounts of people who aren't like me because I just think that that opens your mind outside of your own awareness, your own immediate awareness. So I follow a lot of intersex activists. I follow a lot of disabled activists. I make sure that I'm aware of the issues of cis women as well as trans women because I I always say the phrase, how can I expect people to be there if I'm not there for other people? And, you know, I, I need to be fighting for other people as well as just my own cause. So I think just make sure that you're following people that are very different to you, opening your mind to stories that you haven't heard before, constantly absorbing new information. There's there's so much out there. I mean, autobiographies are amazing for me as well, because it's a way into someone's mind. And I think sometimes when I am faced with the struggle, I think, what would Michelle Obama do? Or what would Oprah do? And I think it kind of helps you open up your mind to problem solving as well because you can think oh Michelle Obama went through this and this is how she approached it and obviously I'm not Michelle Obama and I'm never going to be but like I can still open my mind to a new way of thinking and I really feel that listening to audiobooks of autobiographies really helped me do that. Yeah I love audiobooks as well and having that person speak to you Mm. and I think it is that thing that we we see life in squares on mm-hmm. Instagram sometimes or stories mm-hmm. and we see the media but actually we don't always know what's behind that and autobiographies you know Michelle Obama's recent becoming mm-hmm. you know opening up about relationship issues opening up about insecurities mm-hmm. it's very easy to look at people who are perceived as being strong mm-hmm. and knowledgeable and forget that they have been through a journey and a process and they've been through negative times like everybody has to mm. get to that space. So I would agree with that. I think that's that's one of the best things we can do is is look beyond our own yeah. lived experience when we're we're looking for Absolutely. For, for people to follow and, and read about as and well. And also acknowledging that success is not how we see it. You know, there's there's so many relapses and missteps and mistakes I think that mistakes are the most inspiring things because it makes you feel less alone and I mean I at the beginning of this year like I was so excited about the beginning of this year and then in the first two days something really bad happened and I was just like oh my god I just thought that you know this year is gonna be it it's gonna be completely sorted we're gonna be fine and then that happened and 
then I read something about mistakes and mistakes are where you find your your strength and where you improve. I mean, how are you ever going to improve if you don't make any mistakes? And that was, that allowed me to take a positive out of that negative situation. So I think hearing about the mistakes of successful and powerful people is really what drives me. And you said earlier on that success is evolving and it changes. Over the last couple of years, obviously, your life has changed a lot Mm -hmm. in terms of your presence in the national consciousness. It's only been a year. Has it only been a year? (laughs) It's only been a year. Really? I feel like it's been 84. (laughs) It feels so much longer than that. It feels like... It's been just over a year. Wow. Yeah. So what has that just over a year been like for you in terms of success and also mistakes and reflections? It's been probably the most bizarre yet confirming time of my life. I feel like I've got a purpose now. And for a long time, I felt like I was drifting and i was const- i was just drifting down a hallway and all of the doors were completely shut yeah and slowly i feel that they're opening and i i i feel really positive about things but it's taken a long time for me to feel positive about it when it all happened with that makeup company that shall remain nameless it it really felt like that was the end of my life and the end of my career I felt well there's no way that I'm going to be able to get a normal job now because people are going to recognize me and there's no way that I'm going to be able to even date without people having an opinion of me before they're on the date with me it's impacted how my parents see me it's impacted how my friends see me so like it was really easy for me to feel really overwhelmed with that situation but then as I gained more confidence in myself and more belief in myself, everything just seemed like it slotted into place. Yeah. And it's still changing and it's still quite difficult with balancing a work and personal life. And also dealing with the fact that before people meet me, they've got a very strong opinion about who I could be. It's never like kind of, you know light so oh she could be like this or she could be like that it's very kind of people have a opinion so that's difficult to contend with but it's an adjustment period yeah and you're evolving you're continuing to evolve in the work that you're doing and yeah and mistakes as well sorry I didn't get to the point mistakes yes I think it's about acknowledging when you've made a mistake I think that there's a real power and a real vulnerability in that and it, t- it takes a really strong person, I feel, to say, you know what, I was wrong. Because none of us are born with good politics. None of us, are, well, any, any politics, none of us are born with a completely fine-tuned moral compass. You know, we, we all learn how, whether or not things are right. We learn about new people. We learn about different stories and we learn to empathise. So we're going to go into your next I Am which is, I am more than my trauma. Can you talk us through this? I'm more than my trauma. I, yeah, I mean, it's so easy to be defined by the bad things in your life and the bad things that have happened to you and think, why me? But I think that a really amazing thing that's happening in society is that people are now being valued on their thoughts, especially within the modelling and media industry it's not enough to just be an image now people actually want you to stand for something so with that 
people are speaking about the negative things that have happened to them, but also the positive things and how they've changed it around. And I really feel that people are providing case studies or role options and role models for people that didn't have them growing up. And that's especially how I feel. And I've spoken about the really horrible things that have happened to me, such as like rape and self-harm and anorexia and those things. And I think just not allowing myself to be defined completely by those things. Obviously, they imprint on me in some way, but not allowing them to be overwhelming at times so just not allowing them to be you know not not allowing them to overwhelm me to the point where they define me yeah uh, because it's very easy for that to happen I feel and they're chapters in your story they're not your story yes and I think that's that's what we're trying to explore here is it's very easy when you speak for something to be almost pigeonholed in you are the person that will speak about that mm. and that's 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 what defines you and actually we're all a, a huge amount of different things you know and mm. I, th- I think this is a really interesting area of discussion we are more than dot 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 a mm. lot of different things we were talking about some of your future projects earlier on yeah and in 2019 do you see that you want to to push out from perhaps a kind of a, a pigeonhole that you've been mm. put in from from where you've come to so far? I think so. I think it's very easy to be pigeonholed in the media, but especially when you're a minority and then a minority of, an, of a minority and a minority of that. Yeah. So I am very keen to branch out into different avenues and we're going to do that this year. And I wanted to solidify my place in the media last year. And then I want to use that platform to go out into other areas. But I'm very, very mindful of, you know, that we don't see trans people hosting television shows, really. We don't see trans people doing much things outside being trans in the media. And that's really frustrating because we we can do so many things. I think America is moving forward faster than we are in many respects with the media. For starters, their media is not as transphobic as ours. Ours is is borderline harassment in the way that a lot of the conservative press will focus on trans issues in a way that is dehumanising, especially when it comes to transgender children and trans women and the likening of trans women to sexual predators and the likening of transgender children to autistic children and autistic children to trans children and demonising both of them in a way that makes them seem incapable of being actual people. So that's really, really tough to contend with. But I really want to see trans people hosting, you know, country shows or top of the pops or you know stuff that is aspirational on a wide spectrum I want someone who enjoys watching a country show to see that a trans person is just a regular person that may also enjoy the countryside just like them and I feel that that is a way of opening minds as well it doesn't need to be explicitly speaking about trans rights all the time because people will switch off if they don't want to listen to it they just will and I think a lot of it needs to be through action of employing trans people to do the same things as everybody else so I think that's definitely I'm more than my trauma even though my trauma 
is rooted in my transness in so far as other pe- how other people re- respond to that. But my trauma isn't my transness. My trauma is how other people respond to my identity. So I would love to see my identity being used by those people that may not understand it to push it further. I think that's fantastic. And it is a way forward for 2019 as well. And I know, considering you said you've only actually been in the public arena for a year, considering what you've done in the last year, I'd love to have a conversation with you this time next year and come back to that (laughs) point. Because I I hope that it's, you know, it's moved on in the way that you hope it will. I hope so. I I have faith in people. I have faith in the younger generations especially. And, you know, things are changing. The boys club is not what it used to be. And I, I really feel that people are taking the diversity conversation seriously, even if it's not completely off their own back. I think that people just realise now that it doesn't wash. If you walk into a room and everybody's white, cisgender, heterosexual and male, that, that that's not good enough. And I think people know that now. And we talked about earlier on there is a lot of negativity in the UK, but I would agree with you in that there is a change. There Mm. is change coming. And, you know, your a Queen's speech at at Christmas time where you talked about, I thought it was fantastic, (laughs) education, legislation and reparation. And I think you talked about, you know, even if it's not this generation, the next generation are being taught and actually you know, they will be the ones who will have diversity amongst decision makers. Mm-hmm. It, it won't be something that they need to be spoken to about. Yeah. It will be something that is part of every day. So, For sure. And that's why I'm so, I focus so much on the younger generations because the old, some of the older generations just will not be told. They just will not change their mind. And I just put my messages out there and they're always positive, I feel, as much as possible. And, you know, if this generation or the old generation of this generation build walls, then the younger ones will tear them down. And we just need to really focus on supporting them during this time that is so negative. So your third I am is I am strong but not invincible. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I think it's all about personal boundaries and realizing that you know you can only take so much and we speak a lot about self-care in today's society I feel and that's really important and we can't let self-care become a buzzword and I think that there's a lot of conversations about like what is the new word for self-care there doesn't need to be a new word for self-care self-care is what it is and it's important and just to know when you've had enough and stop doing the things that make you feel bad I mean everyone needs to do their tax returns and everybody you know (laughs) there's only there's certain things that you can't avoid but it's important to know when you're infringing on your own personal boundaries or whether other people are infringing on your personal boundaries and what to do to minimize the fallout especially with activism so many activists experience burnout and it's about stopping yourself getting to that point of burning out before you burn out Mm. and it's so easy to to burn out and I I do all the time (laughs) even if I self-care it'll creep up on me but when that happens I know how to stop that period dragging on and I always say sex scent 
sorbet. So basically, I love ice cream because it really snapped me out of only seeing food as fuel. In my early 20s, I struggled quite badly with anorexia. And it's because I I didn't like the way that my body was changing with regards to puberty. And um, I kind of went through two puberties oddly. I went through the initial puberty quite early. And then later on, I developed more. And it was during that time that I, I could feel testosterone in my body. And my body was quite naturally muscular. And I thought that the only way to control this was just to stop eating. And it was very much a control thing. And then it became like a vicious circle. I was unhappy because I wasn't eating and I wasn't eating because I was unhappy. And I became very, very, very thin. And then that obviously triggered depression and depression triggered self-harm. So the ice cream is a way of reminding myself that food is not just fuel. It's there to be enjoyed and whenever I feel down, ice cream is something that really helps with that. And it's I've got like a little special relationship with a certain brand of chocolate chip brownie mm. ice cream. So it's dangerous, but <laughs> and then scent. I'm sus- I'm really susceptible to smell. So I love dip tea candles, and they just remind me of being on holiday in the Maldives. Oh, lovely! Yeah, because they were just burning these black candles when I got off there and that's the only place that I've really felt like I can just switch off so like I've been on so many holidays but that was just the it's like heaven on earth it's incredible I really want to go back there uh, for new years and then what else sex Sex. just reminding yourself that you are an animal you're a mammal and human contact even if it's not sex, like a hug with your closest friends or your mum or your or your dad or your siblings or your your lover I think that just remaining a closeness of touch is or just love I think that that's so important that you're not you're not a robot and you've got feelings and you're feeling a certain way for a reason and certain things alleviate anxiety like hugs hugs alleviate anxiety kissing alleviates anxiety sex alleviates anxiety and stress and stress so just allow yourself to feel I think and I think that's interesting because all of those are very much about the feeling aren't Mm. they you know the taste the smell the physical feeling yeah sensual things because a lot of what you do you're using your mind a lot and you're being very aware of what you're saying and how you're presenting Mm. and actually eating ice cream having sex you know the smells that evoke a holiday Mm. that's very much about you individually as a person Mm. getting that nourishment and that physical affection Mm. back I think because you give a lot I think so I've never actually thought about it that way it's like a recharge yeah yeah it's like you're plugging back in yeah for sure it's definitely replenishment yeah oh I really like that thank you do you think that people look at you to be strong as well because you are you are in the public sphere you do stand for a number of different people do you think that people tend to push you to the front and, and look to you to be that that pillar of strength? Yeah, I, I do. And that's okay. Because I don't think I'm stronger than the average person, but I feel that I've got the language to describe how I'm feeling. And I think that that's such 
a disarming thing for whoever's trying to either oppress you or whoever's overlooking your needs. If you have the words to describe the behaviour that they are participating in, it then disarms them. If you know, I mean, say with racism, it's split into so many different categories, but one of the most common instances of racism is microaggressions. And they may be small things, but they build up into big things. And being able to identify when you're on the receiving end of a microaggression is so powerful for for um, the person receiving it because it just it takes away that power mm-hmm. and it allows you to recognize when something's wrong it makes you feel bad but you know it's wrong and then you can either address it or you can I feel that you can just take hold of it rather than just internalizing it the same with um, sexism if you know that someone's being sexist it makes you feel empowered because you know that that behaviour is sexist, not you work in a workplace where that is allowed. So just being able to distinguish what is happening to you is so powerful. And I hope that people that listen to what I have to say or read what I, what I have to say, just take that on board that no one is necessarily stronger than anyone else I think is a consciousness and that's something that people can achieve themselves. In terms of being strong but not invincible we've talked about your sex scent and sorbet Mm -hmm. are there any other practices that you use to make sure that you are taking that time for yourself and focusing on your own self-care and and recharging as we said earlier on I think listening to your body when your body's showing signs of change is usually for a reason and whether or not that's hormonal especially hormonal being trans and taking hormones and blocking the natural hormones that my body makes and then replacing that with hormone replacement therapy so I mean Even being aware of when you're not getting enough sleep because that's how your body maintains its hormonal balances. And that's how, you know, your skin recharges. It's how your brain stays sane. (laughs) So I think just listening to your body when you're hungry, eat. When you're stressed, take a moment. Even like, you know, when you want to have sex or when you want to scream or when you want to just do anything, just think about why rather than just going full steam ahead because I feel when you're on autopilot you miss things and often that's that's the time when you should be taking stock because autopilot is where dreams go to die (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I just think the comfort zone is such a dangerous place because you become complacent complacency doesn't do anything it just it's it's a plateau Mm -hmm. so I like to stay uncomfortable And I think that everybody should be uncomfortable with a certain, you know, with life. Life's uncomfortable. You should be uncomfortable with certain things. I'm really uncomfortable with the lack of accessibility for disabled people. I'm really uncomfortable with the fact that um, intersex people are invisible within today's society. I'm uncomfortable with racism. I'm uncomfortable with sexism. I'm uncomfortable with period poverty. And I just think if you're complacent with the way that 
things are because they don't affect you, then that's why things don't change. Absolutely. And earlier on, you talked about burnout. Yes. And then burnout and autopilot. I think maybe autopilot is is what you experience before you go to burnout sometimes. Yes. And as you said, then you <clears throat> stop. You stop being uncomfortable because you can't care because you don't have the capacity to care anymore yeah. because you've taken too much on. Yeah. What are you going to do in 2019 to make sure that you, you said earlier on, you've you felt like you could head towards burnout before. What are you going to do in 2019 to, to stop yourself reaching that? I think I need to be more open and I am quite open anyway. I'm quite an open person, but when things get tough, and I feel like I'm about to burn out, I shut myself off. And instead of shutting myself off, I definitely need to be around more people. I need to communicate more with not just myself, but with others. I think a little bit more patience <laughs> with others would be a good move. I love that. There is, there is a, I'm not sure whether that was a nervous or a knowing giggle then. Talk to me about patience. Like, I, I'm in a relationship and I am probably the world's worst girlfriend when it comes to speaking about how I feel right. when I'm going through something. I would rather just, I just say to my girlfriend, I'm going to just figure this out and I will see you on the other side. And how does she <laughs> Instead react of, to that? She's exactly the same, so right. it works. But I feel that if we were both a little bit more open and we went through things together, it would make us a lot more stronger. And we're strong anyway, like we've we've been, you know, in a relationship for like five years, so it, we're, we're, we're strong. But I feel that, you know, to keep things going in the right direction, I think that you need to go through things with people rather than shutting yourself off and being like, I will go through this alone. And it's just learned behaviour because we've both had difficult things in our lives and that is what makes us strong together but I feel that the next level is going through things together rather than shutting yourself off but I mean it's it's it could be a lot worse yeah. but I feel that that would be something that I need to work on and I there's a reason why I retreat a little bit I don't retreat I just kind of have a, a moment where I, I'm thinking things through myself and I just don't want to put that onto anyone else. So I think it's about me not putting it onto anyone else, but being able to think around people and compromising. You're very self-aware. Am you're I? Very, you're very <laughs> able to reflect on, well, everything in terms of your relationships. Is that something that you've learnt? Is that something that's through therapy that you've had over the years or, or do you think it's something that's come more recently with with all the changes in your life? Definitely not with therapy as much. Certain things with therapy, yes, in terms of repeated behaviour uh, that I've learned. I think a lot of what I've learned about myself is listening to other people and being open to critique. I think that, that that's a really key thing is being open to critique when someone criticizes you and it's a constructive thing obviously not just you know a read <laughs> I think that it's really important to take it on or even acknowledge it even yeah. if you don't agree with it don't take it on and internalize it and make it a negative thing just try to take it on board 
even if it doesn't go anywhere, just take it on board. And that that's really been a beneficial thing for me is, you know, sometimes I can be a little bit selfish in in my thinking, but that's just, you know, a defense mechanism. And it's got me a lot of things in my life, but at times it can be a bad thing. So it's just acknowledging repeated behaviors that um, is a really important thing. And just allowing yourself to grow. You know, you don't need to stay the same person your entire life. I probably, I'll change my mind on things that I have an opinion on right now. Five years from now, I'm sure that I'll think a different thing. Thank you. No worries. We're going to move on to I have now. Yes. And you've shared with us that you've struggled with anorexia, which we spoke about briefly earlier on, and self-harm. Mm-hmm. Can you reflect a little bit about that and, and your experiences? I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that these are things that I'm completely over. Okay. I feel that it's very rooted with issues of control and feeling out of. So whenever I feel extremely stressed if I'm having a really bad time in the papers the first thing to go would be my appetite and then the second thing to go will be my sleep and then that just sets things off and I don't think that self-harm is necessarily something that goes into my mind and the consciousness but harming myself in other ways so it's like not eating or not sleeping or going out all night with my friends when I should be getting sleep or making bad decisions or you know getting in fights with people because I'm frustrated about something that has absolutely nothing to do with them so harming myself in other ways rather than how I used to harm myself which was physically so I think it's about just recognizing when you're behaving in a certain way and not allowing yourself to fall into the same pattern of behavior because things like anorexia when you experience it as bad as I did I don't really feel like it actually goes away I feel like it's about maintaining a wellness it's like any form of mental health you know you you need to maintain good mental health just like you need to maintain good physical health So I think it's just about looking at how bad things got and making sure that that doesn't happen again. And that constant reflecting as well. You spoke earlier on about ice cream and how ice cream in a way taught you that food is enjoyable Mm. again when you were going through anorexia. And I noticed on your Instagram that you had done a 10-year challenge. Yeah, I was going to say about that. I thought it was really beautiful what you wrote in Reflection. It feels like it's something you can do which is quite healing Mm. because it's it's on your own terms. Could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I mean... I didn't share a 10-year photo. I shared a photo 20 years ago. Oh, my God. Um, And it was just before I went to high school. And I always look back on some of my photos before I transitioned, and I just feel this overwhelming sense of dread. And I used to attach it to... I used to think that I was attaching it to the fact that I hadn't transitioned, but it was actually because I hated my life at that point. And I was going through so many awful things and life was really, really hard. So when I look at those photos, I'm attaching that feeling to the fact that I hadn't transitioned and then obviously visualising that in the physical sense. When I look at pictures of myself as a kid... I don't experience that. I just see a child. And if I hadn't have experienced all of the bad things during the middle period, like 10 years ago, 
then I'm sure that I'll be able to look at myself and feel how everybody else looks at themselves 10 years ago. But I do feel that there's a really healing, especially with the trans community. I saw so many trans people sharing their 10 years ago photos. And when I first transitioned, that wasn't something that you did. You just, the I like the culture within the community, especially with girls, was just look those photos away, never let anyone see them, detag every single photo off of Facebook and archive all your Instagram pictures. And now I'm seeing people post their hormone transition journeys. I'm seeing people look back at how far they've come. And it's a real celebration. And, you know, why, why, should, why should we be disallowed to share our childhood photos? Because, you know, that's as, that's as much me as I am me now. But I've grown. And I, I just see like a really happy child when I look at the picture that I shared. And I, sh- I should be allowed that, just like everybody else should be. And you're beaming now, by the way. I don't know. I mean, I was smiling. You're really smiling. <laughs> and it's, it's lovely to see as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a really nice memory. It was, I think that was my last primary school photo. And I think that that was the last time that I was really happy as a child. That's so lovely. it's bittersweet, but we're back to being happy now. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you one final question, which is, what would you say to Munro 10 years ago now, if you could go back and whisper in her ear? Yeah, I mean, I was going through the worst time. I wasn't speaking to my parents. I wasn't eating. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was partying all the time to try and get away from what I was actually feeling. At this time, I knew that I was trans, but I was petrified because there was no information out there. There was no one in the media. There was nothing apart from the depiction of us as either sex workers in a way that wasn't empowering for sex workers or a victim of murder in things like CSI. It was extremely scary for me. Yeah, um, I just felt that my life was not going to be what I wanted and what I needed. So I went on self-destruct and I would just really maybe like to show them everything that I've achieved now and everything that my community is achieving now. Maybe a 10 years on picture. Yeah. Like I'd really love to show them an Instagram feed of today, like all of the amazing people that I follow, how, how society has changed because it was a really, really dark time. So if I could go back, I would give myself like the biggest hug and just tell myself to sleep and drink some water and, <laughs> <laughs> and chill out, just chill out. And you don't need all of this noise. You don't, you don't need all of, you don't need to put yourself through twice as much as what other people are putting yourself through. Just try to find some calm and amongst it all and you're going to be okay. Monroe, thank you. Thank you, Munro, for joining us today and also for being Happerful Magazine's March cover star. Follow model and activist Munro Bergdorf on Instagram and Twitter at Munro Bergdorf and visit mbergdorf.com. Thank you for listening to I Am, I Have, brought to you by Counselling Directory and Happerful Magazine. Please rate, review and share if you like what you hear. If you'd like to read more about mental health and wellbeing, 
head over to happerful.com and sign up to receive a free edition of the magazine every month. If you're looking for local counselling support, you can find over 15,000 counsellors at your fingertips at counselling-directory.org.uk. Finally, if you need to speak to someone immediately, the Samaritans are available 24 hours a day on 116123, and you can also email joe at samaritans.org. Help is available. This podcast has been produced by Happiful. We hope you'll join us again soon.